0: Y'all, I went in. Come on. He said, "In there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations." I think she's a liar, and I think she deserves mockery. It was something about when I put this hat on, and made me feel like Superman. Black lives are very important. White lives are very important. And to me, all lives are very important. Very, very important. Damn! This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White-Hodge. Hey, y'all. How you doing out there in podcast land? Oh, mercy, mercy me. So much to cover this week. Oh, man, so much to go in on. Golly, y'all. Um, Wow. Okay, so a couple different things. Well, one, um, how you doing out there? hope you, hope you're well, hope you, uh, if you are in a seasonal place and geographic location, hopefully you're enjoying the fall colors. And I know here in Chicago, we're probably getting ready for some cold weather. Um, but man, so this is, so here's a little special issue. I'm releasing two episodes this week. So if you're listening in real time, uh, there are two episodes Uh, This week as it pertains to profane faith. And so I think I wanted to release this simply because, well, one, I recently spoke at uh, CCDA, Christian Community Development Association, uh, in their national conference now. Um, you know, they've been around for a long time, 30 years. They were celebrating 30 years. It was back here in Chicago. Um, initially, I wasn't going to go, but uh, a woman by the name of Q Nellum, who I've had on the show before, uh, she was on the special edition of uh, with James Cohn. So you can check that one out from, from last season. Uh, she was like, yo, man, I want you to come. and Because mainly, I mean, I feel like organizations like CCD have really – left out and this is not necessarily I mean people think oh man you can't you know it's like it's difficult to critique your own in your own backyard right because it's like CCD has done so much for people of color I, it, it, they have they have I mean I'll, I'll, I'll at least admit that um <laughs> and not in a bad way but they've done a lot in terms of setting up just an introduction to what it means to be working with those who are living in an impoverished condition so um it, it, uh, it, you know, so I'm trying to gather my thoughts here because, I you know, I know there it's, it's, it's like going after, you know, your heroes, right? It's like, but I mean, for me, and this would include myself as well, nobody is above critique, no one. No one's above critique. And so I think when we think about an organization like CCDA, 30 years, when you think about somebody like John Perkins who's done amazing work, I have to ask myself, where are we at right now? how does it stand with, how does it sit with the evangelical name, right? I mean, I have to ask myself those questions. Now, here's the other thing. I mean, you know, you don't want to also just throw rocks and cause, you know, a bunch of strife where strife is not needed, but there's been a few things that have popped up, um, you know, with CCDA uh, over the last, oh man, well, it's been going on for a long time with the leadership, and recently, and I'll post all the, the website and the show notes and the links and everything in here, just so you can get caught up. A lot of you, uh, probably don't know about some of the, you know, of where folks are, are, um, you know, where folks are feeling and how folks are feeling, but, um, there has been a, 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 a migration of sorts, a really uh, a mass exodus of sorts of staff, particularly staffers, women staffers, women of color staffers, uh, who have left CCD organization because of toxic leadership, because of toxic masculinity. Um, this has been going on for a long time. This is nothing new. Um, and so they use this as a way to, you know, to show like, there's some things going on here. We got to, you know, we got to, we got to step up. we got to, we got to, we got to we, if we talk about reconciliation, are we actually doing it? And so, there's a website that uh, that engages that. There's a website um, it, that uh, that talks about that. It's uh, it, well, the ha- one of the hashtags is remember, repent, reconcile, and then hashtag three R's revisited. So you can check that out. Um, and I believe it's that's the website three R's revisited. It might be dot com or .org. Either way, I will put this in the the show notes so you can go check it out and and, and read these stories. I highly recommend that you read these stories. This is exactly what we need to be dealing with and engaging with, and it's not so much a critique as much as it is a, a a call to action. It's both. It's like yes, it's a critique, but it's also a call to action, especially from people who we have admired, we have we have we have come to know, we have come to engage with. So I feel like you have to be able to really sit down with these issues and begin to wrestle with them when stuff like this pops up. We're at a time right now where everything, the shit is busting at the seams right now. It's everywhere. Um, It's one of the few good things of the Trumpster era is that we are having to deal with stuff that's been in the the outer region. It's not like this stuff is new. This stuff has been there for a long time, y'all. Women have been being treated like shit for a long time. Ethnic minorities have been uh 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 you know been been held down by by white supremacist evangelicalism. Yo, know, this we're just now starting. This is what happens when you don't deal with shit the right way. It is engaged in a, in a, in a nasty way. It's, it's pushed back in a nasty way. And so, um, and you're seeing some of that. I mean, you're seeing this all the way from, you know, Washington all the way, I'm sure to wherever, whatever community you find yourself in. Um, That's, you know, that's where folks are. It's, it's, it's happening and it's about damn time. I mean, yes, we have to be careful. We, I think we have to, you know, I, I think we have to exercise some wisdom in all of this. We don't want to be the super woke folk who are, you know, like super perfect and we don't do anything. No, of course not. Again, nobody's above critique. But that being said, um, you know, I stand with the folks, the former CCDA staffers who are, you know, with the, with their issues and what they're talking about. I think it's something that it's again, a long time in coming. Um, so in my plenary, um, if you know me, um, I, I went in, I went in and, uh, you know, I just, I didn't hold back. I didn't hold back simply because I felt this, I didn't feel, I knew that this was spirit led. This was, and I'm not a big thing like on spirit and all that stuff ooh, ooh, and the devil hiding in every bush, but this was, I felt like all the speakers lined up and we didn't even like talk with each other. We didn't even know each other's talk, but they all hit. I think it was, it was myself. Well, Irene Show went first, myself, then Otis Moss, and then Brenda Salter McNeil. Um, it it was it was just God ordained. And the MC was great in between all of that. Um, but it's time we get shook up. I mean, these, these conferences, I mean, cause for example, how do you engage with the LGBTQ, LGBT, excuse me, LGBTQ community and not just say, oh, you can come, but you know, oh, but just don't have sex or, oh, don't, by the way, don't, don't, don't love people who you're automatically attracted to. You're naturally attracted to, right? It's like, it's time, y'all. It's just time for a change. And I don't know, sometimes shit just got to blow up before you really see it and really be like, all right. I, you know, I don't know, you know, is evangelicalism redeemable? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not necessarily one to, 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 to have that argument. You know, on some days I feel like, nope. And other days I feel like, ah, maybe. Um, and I don't know. Today's one, definitely one of those days where I'm like, mm, I don't know about all that. But at the same time, you know, again, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's like there are great people who are still identifying as evangelical. You know, I had my guest on last week, Lisa Sharon Harper, I believe. I believe. She can correct me if I'm wrong. She still identifies as an evangelical Christian. So I'm not going to throw her away, right? Of course not. So I think, y'all, we are at an apex in society, and it, I think we're either going to rise to the occasion or circle the wagons, and you see some people already circling the wagons, right? You know, fundamentalists, uh, you know, white Christianity. Uh, you know, I think uh, Trump is, in effect, you know, one big country circling the wagons. It's like these demographic changes coming. Uh, this week is vote. So if you haven't gotten out and vote, man, get out and vote. I know there's a lot of voter suppression going on. So for those of you who say, oh, man, your voting doesn't matter. Again, why are people working so hard against the vote? So I just think it's time for some change. Um, it's not going to be perfect in terms of you know the process, but I, I you know. But again, when stuff doesn't get dealt with, it's like you get louder. It's like what Tupac said. It's like man, you know. First we was asking, right? You know, people, you know, they're saying, oh, you know, we hungry, and then you know we can see people in the room throwing the the, the food around, right? You know, it's like we ask, we hungry, please let us in. You know, we singing, we hungry, please let us in. You know, after a while, you know, you're banging on the door. You know, by about two or three years, he's like, you know, you know, I'm picking the lock, coming through the door, blasting. Right? It's like. How long do you really have to wait? Um, and those are those those are really questions. So it was heavy on me, y'all. It was heavy. I felt the weight of my ancestors. I felt the weight of former CCDA staffers who got the shaft, who 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 who, who left uh, thinking that they were going to get some kind of justice. I felt the weight. Of just the times that we live in, pipe bombs, mass killings at synagogues, you know the continued rhetoric coming out of Washington and Trump. I mean the the continued uh, uh, um, lies that we see on television, right? You know you got people going after you know this migrant caravan, but no one's talking about white male nationalism and 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 and, and, and local domestic terrorism, right? And you know on the radicalization of, of of white males and how much longer right do we do we do we live those things out so i was carrying that weight i'm carrying that weight and i literally feel the pit in my stomach um i had to take a couple of zoloft y'all <laughs> man your boy was i was like man it was starting to affect the way i think and this this week was already busy we had two events on campus that was they were heavy um and so it was like whoa so i'm getting there thinking what in the hell am i going to say but here's the thing I got, I was able to center myself enough to say, I need to tr- stay true to who I am. And I feel like at this point in my life, I'm finally to a spot where I can say, this is me. Love, love it or like it. And some people are there. I get it. Love it or like it, but this is me. I'm not Michael Eric Dyson. I'm not Cornell West. I'm not your pastor. I am me. I don't and that's taken a while, y'all, for me to get there. That's taken a long time for me to get there because it's like, you know, I first came into this as a result of, of Michael Eric Dyson. So it's like for a long time, I sounded like him, right? As I established my feet. And then it's like, you know, then I had my, my other mentor, my local mentor, right? You know, so I sounded like him. And so it just kind of kept going bouncing around and it just takes a while for some people. For some other people, they find it quick, but it takes a while really to kind of find your voice. What is it? And so this is me. And so I lived into that moment And it was a God moment. And I know there's probably people listening and be like, oh, I disagree. I disagree. Here's the thing. I didn't curse. I used strong language, but I didn't curse. And if you're still kind of like a little fuzzy on that, um, I would encourage you to, to really get into rhetoric uh, and linguistics um, and rhetorical discourse and understanding, you know, what strong language looks like. Now, yes, of course, we can make the argument that nigga and words like cunt and, and bitch, they're inflammatory. Yes, there are certain words, you know, you don't want white folks going around saying nigger, 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 you know, you don't want that. At the same time, I think there's a point for strong language I think the person has to decide how they're going to use that. Jesus used plenty of it. Jesus pissed a lot of people off so much so they wanted to kill that fool several times. So for me, it was about representing all of the weight that I told you that I was just, you know, that I was just feeling and also just remaining center to who I was. So that's what you're about to hear. And that's kind of what just kind of build up to it. Um, uh, and I knew I wanted to record it cause I wasn't sure what, you know, CCD the organization was going to do with the recording. So I was just like, I, right, I'm going to record this and uh, um, put it up on profane faith. Now, a couple of caveats, just one from a technical perspective. I recorded it on my phone. So my phone went up with me on stage and I had my notes up there with me. So it's, it's not a picture quality recording like the one I'm normally used to putting or that y'all are normally used to hearing. So there's some bumps and scrapes. I try to clean it up as best I could, but the essence of the message is there. And so I want you to kind of grasp that and, and, and engage with that. I'm going to put the show note and in the show notes, I'll put my my PDF to the PowerPoint that I use. Cause I know there were some people who were like, man, I didn't, I didn't get that. So that's, that's in there as well. Um, and I really wanted to point, you know, put this out there because uh, one, I wanted people to hear it who, who weren't there, who were like, man, I, you know, I wanted to hear that. And, and, and other things that, you know, it's just, you know, we can have the dialogue. I don't, get, I don't care if you agree with me, because here's the thing, at the end of the day, if I don't really know you, and this is no disrespect to anybody, if I don't really know you, I, I don't really care about your advice. Because people who know me, walk with me, care for me, who have been with me, and, and th- those are the ones I listen to. And I have my inner circle of folks. So when they say something, this is what you need to change your bra. You need to, you know, go for it like that. Those are the ones I listen to. Everybody else. And I think everybody needs to have, a, you know, a, a group like that. Because it's so easy to get distracted by the naysayers. Oh, I disagree with you, man. Oh, you know, because, you know, especially religious folks, they're going to come with, oh, you have a duty and a righteousness. Of course, there was all that BS, right? Because I went in. I mean, you, you about to hear, right? And it's like, I don't. I don't make any apologies for where I stand theologically with LGBTQ folks. I don't. I don't. Straight up, 100, 100 percent. I stand with them. Uh, my interpretation of the Bible. I don't find any sin or immorality uh, in there. I just don't. Not when you read it for what it really is saying. Um, so you know, let that be known. If you had, if you weren't already clear, hopefully you clear now. <laughs> so. You know, and I get that. You know, it's almost like being a liberal or progressive Christian is like some kind of sinful word. And, you know, it's like so. So really, all we can have then is a conservative view of Christianity. I think that's bullshit. Now, I don't think conservative Christians are bullshit. Hear me right. I don't think people who have more conservative thoughts or, or theology are bullshit. But to say that that's the only perspective that, that I'm, you know, that, that, that's going to be, be had in interpret, interpreting the Bible. No, that's whack straight up. 100. We have to have multiple perspectives. If all we're ever hearing is the same old, same old. And I'll be honest, it's what I, it's why I was kind of done with CCD and organizations like that. Cause it's like, we hear the same thing, the same message over and over, just in different forms and over and over and over. I can't tell you how many people came up to me afterwards and were just like, thank you. Thank you. You know, I thank you for saying that. I've not been able to say that. I've been thinking that for a long time. What? Wow. So I, I'm, I am living into that, my, into my centeredness, into, into that, and into who I am. I take homage in that. I know, I know there's, I don't think I speak for people. I just think I'm just being who I am and who God has called me to be. This whole podcast is about that. Hence the name, Profane Faith. You know, and these are the things that we are less likely to talk about. You know, women, like I said before on the show, it's hard to believe them. And so, uh, you know, there's some issues we, and we got to tackle them. You know, and of those people that were once heroes. I mean, think about Bill Cosby, right? It's like, damn, I looked up to that brother at one point, And now I'm like, I don't know. Don't get me wrong. There's other layers on that. But I'm just saying it's difficult, right? When 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 our heroes are the ones shitting on folks. And, you don't you don't want to It's almost like you don't want to see it. Well, who does? Who does want to see it? So it's easy to just overlook it and then just put it all in, you know, in the category of, oh, well, you know, that was just that. And that was just a one off. And it's just like, no, no, absolutely not. And I think it's time for disruption. Um, and I think the speaker brigade that I was with did that and did a really good job of it um so i think it's important i think it's important i think we're seeing some good shifts so again the recording's a little rough uh i had meant to take my microphone up my little mp3 recorder i didn't so i apologize for that but the essence of the message is there two for header i'm about to you know you'll if you want to continue on with profane faith by all means subscribe like whitewatchpodcast.com go there click on profane faith there are the show notes um uh, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, the whole nine. If this is your first time, cause you may just be gawking. You may just be coming through here. Just being like, I just want to see, I want to see what that nigga said. You know what I'm saying? And you just may be doing one of those things. And, if that, and you know what? If that's you, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. You may just want more ammunition, uh, um, to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to use against the brother, but Hey, you know. It is what it is. I'm tenured and I will lean, continue to lean into that. I've earned it. And, um, I'm going to continue to say what I'm going to say. You know, um, I'm not afraid of fundamentalists. I'm not afraid of, you know, conservative ideology. In fact, I, I have conservative ideologies in certain regards of my life. No one is one of everything. I'm saying it's just, it's the complex. It's the way God made us. We're complex beings. So. Without any further ado, I know, I, but I had to set it up. I had to set it up, y'all. I had to, had to let y'all know what uh, what was happening and how it was happening. And so, check it out. Um you know, just the talk isn't that long. They gave me seven minutes. I took 10. <laughs> so the talk isn't that long. And so this, and so hence you're hearing, you know, part of it already. And so this is going to be a real short one. The next setup with Pam Rocker, I'll, I'll set that one up good. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go in on that. So that'll be a normal episode, but you get into two for, I wanted to release this uh, so that we can continue the conversation. And it wasn't just my talk as well. Like I said, Irene Cho was with me. So there was, a, so you're hearing mine, but it's kind of out of context. Irene Cho went before me and talked about story and talked about being Korean, talked about being a woman and talked about, it. And so that set me up. And then Otis Moss comes behind me and talks about politics and talks about Jesus and talks about, I mean, he just goes in as well. And then Brenda Salter McNear, who a lot of people just love and admire, she brought it home and really kind of padded it up. And again, the MC, oh my gosh, she did an amazing freaking job of just the glue, the cock. So if you get a chance to hear that last plenary session, OK, I don't know when they're going to put the audio up, but when you get a chance to hear that last plenary session, um, hear it all in, in its fullness. Angie Hong, who's been on the show before, she was doing praise and worship, did an amazing job. So see the whole or listen to the whole thing. Man, they may release the video. I don't know. I know they're recording it, but listen to the whole thing um, and hear it in context. But again, this is just my part. Um, you know, it's, I go in, I go in and, you know, I, I don't apologize for anything. I truly believe this was spirit-led, um, and the night was was rich with uh, with, uh, with with God in the room. I really did feel that. I really did feel that. So, check it out. Holla at your boy. Doubleheader. Profane Faith. Here we go. That's you, bro. All right. Yeah. Just Walk on out. You just walk on out. We ain't (laughs) see (laughs) shit. It's fucked up right about now. There is no church in the wild. Kanye and Jay-Z had it right. And if you're offended, you're probably part of the no church in the wild. You see, I'm not here to give you pleasant answers. This morning, this afternoon, whatever the hell time it is, (laughs) when we elected who we elected and put that demonic presence into Washington, we have essentially caused ourselves to put ourselves into one of the most dangerous positions we've seen, at least in my lifetime. So when you think about it, there is no church in the wild. There's no church in the wild because we don't necessarily want to engage with the wild. And when I say the wild, I'm not talking about the literal definition in the the dictionary. I'm talking about those who were ostracized on the corners, on the margins, in the cuts, and the people who said, you know, I don't know about church. I don't know, I've been hurt before. In the Gospel of John, chapter six, Jesus goes through all kind of crazy stuff. You know Jesus used some strong language in the Bible, right? Yeah. And you know that there were some times when Jesus was just like saying, you know, he was calling out the Pharisees and the Sadducees, calling the equivalent of mofos. Why do you think people left Jesus? There's no church in the wild. And so we have some major changes happening, right? We have some generational shifts in religious identity. If you haven't read this study, prri.org, America's Changing Religious Identity, I highly recommend reading this. There's some major things happening in that church. We hear this all the time, right? But I'm telling you right now, the next generation that's coming behind me ain't gonna stand for the shit that we have. They're just not gonna stand for it. You know, and I'm thankful to be here. I thank you for coming me out because, you know what I'm saying, I have just about had it with organizations Amen. that continue to propagate a conservative evangelical theology. Come on. I handed my divorce papers to conservative evangelicalism on November 8th, 2016, officially. We had been separated for years, but, you know, it was official in November of 2016. You say, well, Dan, what are you? What do you, why do you identify as a goddamn Christian, all right? (laughs) I'm telling you right now, y'all, I don't know if you really grasp how bad we're really in a situation right now. I don't know if you really understand just where we're at as a country. I don't know. These socio-religious shifts, Growth of the religious unaffiliated from 1976 to 2016, the white church is in decline. And so much of urban community development deals with white conservative evangelical theology. The racism is in the water. The water that we're drinking and what we're taking in. I see some of you out there giving me them looks. I see you. That's okay. Because I'm talking to the people who want to go out in the wild who want to engage with what is happening in our communities right now, who want to engage with the non-binary and the, and the non-gender conforming LGBTQ community right now. We want to be with those brothers and sisters and non-conforming people right now. And here's the thing, I hear some of you talk about an LGBTQ community. It's like my friend uh, Brother Michael said, you know, if you ain't with it and you ain't about inclusivity, keep your name out their mouth, all right? Straight up. Yeah, I, hear you. I see you out there, I know you theologically, you're like, oh man, you know, I don't know, man. This is religiously speaking. Yeah, well, I don't know, maybe about 100 or so years ago. Let me a little bit more over than that. You know, folks swore up and down that slavery was biblical. Had whole conversations around it. You really want that look on you about 150 years from now? I don't. Need to go reread your Bible. King James Version alone has over 700 errors in it that we know of. Racial attitudes during the election, election fear of a US electorate, immigration, taxes, the rise of hate to the feelings of blacks, however, them having too many privileges, right? You people have too many privileges as it is. You just had a nigga for eight years. We ain't gonna give you any more. Starting to know why it took them 30 years to ask me to do a plenary, right? Definitions of white supremacy, because this is where we're at. It is the subconscious promotion of white culture as the best or white is right. It's the denigration of minorities through subtle racism and passive discrimination. It's good, well intentioned, moral, but ignorant white people. It's the projection and shifting of social inequality and racism back onto people of color and minorities. It is blame the victim worldview. But you don't have to be white to be white. Let me just tell you that right now. Whiteness is a culture. Whiteness is also in the DNA of how we theologize. I'm talking to you, Christian publishers. I'm glad that as an ethnic minority I get to write about race and culture. But can I write a systematic theology book? The ones that are actually used, because most white seminaries are not going to want to talk about race. White supremacy. It's around us. What about some of the shifts that we've experienced in this country, right? We've experienced in World War II. 1963, postmodern big post shift in our society. We had a major shift then. Capitalism in the day, capitalism dominated in the late 1970s, the rise of hip hop culture in the 90s, rise of critical inquiry in 1991. I say 1991 because that was the beginning of now what we define as the nuns, the religiously unaffiliated. 9-11 changed everything we some fearful mofos, ain't we? God dang, man. We can't even tell you between a Sikh and a Muslim, man. What the hell? Straight <laughs> up, man. we in some mess. And ultimately, oh. we're, we're at right now with white nationalism, white, white fear, and a white Christian state. Because here's the thing this is where we're at with Trump. Trump is rooted in hypermasculinity. Just go into the evangelical church. They hey. hypermasculine like a up in there, man. There, man. Dude's up in there shaking everything. If you pee standing up, you're going to be all right. We love violence. Oh, yeah, I know, we say non-violence. Just go to the damn movies. You don't want that bad person to die by high blood pressure. You know what I'm saying? The bad person's got to die, like, blow up, get killed, stomped on, the whole nine. We love violence. Yet we continue to tell black folks and people of color that they cannot use violence as a means to solve some of the problems. Now I'm here to tell you I'm working on a theology of violence. You coming up in my house? It ain't gonna be just no reconciliation shit. Straight up. We don't yeah. Yeah. All right. Come on now. We love our celebrities. We love dealing with engagement with non-politically correct words and terminology rooted in American evangelical exceptionalism and, of course, white Christianity. This is what helped get Trump elected. And when we begin to think about some of the changes, I want to read a quote to you from the great Kelly Brown Douglas. She says it like this. Today, the manifest destiny, stand-your-ground culture war is fueled by the presence of a black man living in the White House. There is no greater challenge to America's grand narrative Anglo-Saxon, a- Anglo-Saxon exceptionalism than a black president. This represents a complete encroachment upon the space reserved for cherished white property. It is no surprise, therefore, that the stand your ground culture has asserted itself in an aggressive and unrelenting manner. Y'all, I'm here to tell y'all right now. I'm not here to give you some answers, but I am here to give you some, some thoughts moving forward. I talk about this a little bit more in my book. But I'm here to tell you right now, we have got to begin to move past the milk of theology and Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. We have got to begin to look at queer theology. We have got to begin to engage the LGBTQ community beyond just saying, you can come, but you can't get baptized. Come on. You can come, but you know, so long as you don't date. You tell the person who got divorced three and four times to do that shit? Straight up, man. I'm tired. I am sick and tired of playing church up in this motherfucker, man. Come on. Moving forward in beyond and engaging in dismantling the great white worldview. Can we get white folks to stop leading every goddamn thing in the hood? <laughs> we, we gotta, gotta embrace the of Jesus, because Jesus was a nigga. Straight up. His story is hip-hop, right? 12 boys, one of them did it in, maybe mama drama came from the hood, police hated him, that's hip-hop, y'all. Nah. damn. <laughs> <laughs> Deconstruction, of the value, number five you have to prepare for the shit and develop curriculum with it in mind. Straight up, they giving me the time, I gotta go, I'm over. Here's what I wanna leave you with. Right here. I snapped this picture when I was in Ferguson. This is where we're at right now, y'all. Between you and me together and fuck your peace. Are you willing to go into the wild and embrace to fuck your peace? Can we have a theology of fucking? Or are we still sitting there hanging on to the fact that I just said fuck? Some of you are. I'm a senior. I don't give a shit. You gonna get me off here, all right? I've earned my key, goddammit. <laughs> can you Can we involve ourselves in this? And can we engage between you and me together, which is where we want to be, and fuck your peace? Y'all, that's my contact information, Profane Faith Podcast. Call out your goddamn boy. And I still go to before I go. I stand with those former CCDA members, Ray up one hundred. We need some reform up in this bitch. All right, peace. All right, all right. Well, what'd you think? <laughs> I told y'all I went in. Um. Man, um, I usually don't. I mean, you remember the first season I, you know, I used to do an outro uh, talk. I usually reserve this time for more works from, you know, my guests um, or some sort of promotion or whatever. But I figured this talk was definitely worth the time um, just because there was been such a strong reaction on either way, whether people love it and they agree with it and they're like, man, thank you i've gotten that i mean i'm probably on my you know 15th email um, and probably easily you know messages that have come in from um you know direct messages from facebook twitter um you know easily in another 20 or so you know there of people just saying thank you so it's been overwhelming on that end there hasn't been as much negativity right you know or people who just disagreed i should frame it that way right so which is fine, you know, it's, it's, it, it, you know, I, I get that. I am situated where I am at right now that I believe and know that I'm right where I'm at right now. So doesn't mean that I'm perfect. Doesn't necessarily mean that I, uh, you know, think that I have all the answers. No, absolutely not. But it does mean that I'm confident with what I did. I, I left everything I needed to leave on that stage. Um, and so, You know, this conversation here is really for those who are still trying to figure out like, man, what's going on? What's happening? Um, I do want to point you to, you know, the this podcast. There's a lot of episodes. So I would recommend you going back, uh, particularly the one on reconciliation. I am not a fan of traditional modalities, theologies and ideologies around uh, reconciliation. I think they lift up white people and not even necessarily white people. Let me reframe that. It lifts up white supremacy which is different. Uh, white supremacy encompasses also uh culture. And so it's not just white people, but it, it 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 allows white supremacy off the hook. It allows us to just, let's just hug it out. I got a couple of tweets from that. It's like, Oh, he didn't push us towards more reconciliation, more division. White people are always wanting some kind of, you know, way to come together and hug it out yet. You know, are quick to throw aside somebody or quick to, right. You know, nationally speaking, it's like we're quick to throw away that caravan. We quick to tell folks, you know, they they uh, you know, their country, you know, oh, we're going to bomb it. But, you know, you can't come back in this country. You know, you can't come back to the U.S. And so and this is collectively talking about, you know, both white people and white culture. So, you know, um, I tend to not respond to a lot of stuff on. I responded to a few just a couple of people were just acting a fool on their sides so like, you know, um. <laughs> hey, a brother just got had to let a couple people know, you know, there's some other, you know, tweets on there and or whatever. Uh, I'm mainly on Twitter. And, you know, people were just like, oh, man, I can't believe this. And like, you know, how can CCDA allow this? And then CCDA sends out a, um, you know, an email that talks about you know, they, essentially, they're distancing themselves from me, which is fine. I, here's the thing. I think maybe 10 years ago, I probably would have been distraught. I thought, oh, my gosh. You know, but I'm at a point in my own life where it's not that I don't care. It's hard. To say. It's, it's just that it's not necessarily something that matters to me in the sense that, oh, well, they're going to be. Look, I've been ignored by that organization for a long time. Let's just, if you want to keep it real. You know, And I know I'm not the only one, so I don't think, oh, it's just poor dad. No, I'm not the only one. I know my age group, 40-somethings, and probably between 40-somethings, I would even say probably 35 to about 55. That 20-year span, we was just forgot. We just feel forgotten by you know that organization. And those are things that we got to deal with. Yo, man, you just can't just overlook those things. And I get that the cohorts were going and all that stuff, but as I have matured in my own theology, in my own Christian walk, the more I've begun to kind of outgrow those things. And it pains me because I'm just like, I want this to work. I really do, you know? Um, But if all we're going to do is present one form, right, of this quote-unquote gospel message, then I have problems with that. So that's why I started out, man. We in some shit. We in some shit. It's fucked up. Straight up, man. It is fucked up right now. And if you don't know that, I don't know what else to do to tell you to that. You know, maybe you're one of the people right now who's saying, oh, this is not the America I know. Let's get it back to the America I know. I don't know about that. I'm pushing forward so that we can stand and 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 look at ourselves as human beings. And not that necessarily we got to see ourselves, but society seen seeing ourselves. And when I say that, I say, really, I mean black folk. Black folk and Latinx folk, we are not seen as humans. We are seen as trash. We are seen as as folks that are just, we can that can be thrown away. And, you know, after a while, it's just like, I'm, you know, I'm just done with that. You know, after a while, after being in an evangelical organization and trying to, you know, we censor ourselves so much as people of color around white folks and around white supremacy, right? We censor ourselves. And then we kind of just want to go back to the same, oh, well, but you know, it takes a long time to change, Dan. Oh man, y'all. So, no, I don't believe there's a church in the wild. And I think the wild needs to yet be uh, broke down. Uh, One of my mentors and uh, good friends, Dr. Mary Trujillo, you know, said it. She's like, the stuff, the civil rights movement happened and it's done. It was great. It made some great momentums. But that construct is over. And we just got to keep pushing forward, she said, because we really don't know what to do yet. We don't know. We haven't figured out what works. And I've mentioned that a few times here uh, on the show. So I want to take a few minutes here um, just to kind of break down a few other things that I was, you know, that I wanted to say, you know, in the talk. But, you know, I just didn't have the time. Right. I, you know, like I said, they originally gave me seven minutes. I took 10. But as you know, you can't really, um, you know, unpack anything like that. And really, I tell students, you know, even in a 16 week course, you can't really unpack a lot. I mean, you can go a lot further, obviously, than, you know, just a top plenary talk. But, um, you know, the the goal was just to kind of provoke and to get people to, you know, start thinking and hopefully lead to some change somewhere, you know, and maybe it's time for somebody to splinter off a CCDA and and, and create their own place, inclusivity for LGBTQ folks, inclusivity for folks who are non-binary. I want to see a Broderick Greer up on stage at CCDA. Right. I want to see a Pam Rocker up there on stage at CCDA. Right. I want to see some of these folks who are leading voices but tend to not get those type of stages. They're still talking about CCD principles, but because they don't fit into that, right? That conservative evangelical space, then it becomes problematic. Yeah. All right. Well, let me go through my slides. And like I said, I'll put my, I put my slides in the show notes. So if you want to see what I talked about, you can see that I started off with the PRRI, the, their findings, the uh, America's changing religious identity findings, from the 2016 American uh, Values Atlas, so I'm pulling a lot of data from there. Uh, I could, I should probably put that in the links too, so I'll, i i remember to put that in there. I talked about some of the the changes happening, um, the decline of white Christians between 2006 and 2016. Um, you know, white evangelical Protestant, white mainline Protestant, and white Catholic. Um, And that's what I tell folks. It's like, man, if you want to be offended at at, at what I'm saying, you can't be no more offended by what I'm saying than what the hell is going on right outside these goddamn doors. You just can't because there is a change happening. And I get those folks who are still like, you know, oh, man, you know, you got to bring together. We are not together, folks. And it is time. You don't you don't try to bring people together when the goddamn fire is burning down the building. Okay, you don't. You don't try to come and kumbaya when there's a bear coming through the door and trying to eat everything that that bear can get. No, and that's where we're at, y'all. So I'm not trying to be quiet. I think, yes, at some point, yes, oh, yes, let's work through Shalom, right? Everybody want to pull out Shalom when it's when it's convenient, when they're uncomfortable. No, that's the time. That is the time. A good friend of mine said, uh, Flo, she's a great youth worker. She's out in Pasadena. She said it like this. She said, the messier it gets. The, the the harder it gets, that's when it's that's when it's when it's the most important to see how the gospel's going to show up. It's like an injection, she says, that comes in. Right. The more cleaner it gets. We have been taught and given a theology that does not hold water in times like this. So, yeah, you got people changing. You got people saying, I don't I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to I don't want to work with that. So I talked about that decline. Um, Pew Research as well talked about some sociological uh, shifts, you know, the growth of the religiously unaffiliated from 1976 to 2016. You know, we go from less than two percent or 10 percent, you know, all the way close to 30 percent. Atheists, agnostic, secular person, religious persons, you know, but most of the folks are, again, as we define as the nuns. Now, I think that terminology gets broken down a little bit differently in, in, in ethnic minority communities. I don't think it's all the same. But nevertheless, I think it it points to um, a study ca- uh, done by uh, let's see Brenda Major, Allison Blorden, and Gregory Major Blasovich. Uh, the title of it is "The Threat of Increasing Diversity: Why Many White Americans Support Trump in the 2016 Presidential Election." It was put out by uh, the Journal of Group Process and Intergroup Relations, and they talk about some of the factors in 2016 election, and some of those factors were fears of the new U.S. the new U.S. electorate. Straight up. Immigration. Right. I don't want those folks coming over here. Right. I don't want them here. I, I think they're they're dirty. I think, you know, and Trump just, he, you know, he was just unabashed about it. Like they're rapists They're This is who they are. You know, of course, we always go to taxes and the economy because, you know, the economy and really taxes. Well, really, money is the religious era or or, or item that we pay homage to the most. I've, I've said that, you know, multiple times here uh, on the show. Um, money is is really is something that we. Can, I mean, people don't even start paying attention until it hits their uh, to, until it hits their wallet. Mainline evangelical tropes, you know, same old, same old, abortions, same gender marriage, LGBTQ bathrooms, that whole thing. Evangelical support, 81.8 percent of white evangelicals, right? You know, we know that. We know that perceptions of whites losing the majority, right? Cause it's okay. The, the, you know, the, 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 the diversity is okay until we as people of color start demanding our rights (laughs) and start demanding equity. Now we feel like, Oh no, no. You know, why, why is that? I'm losing my identity. Like one white boy told me, you know, when I, when, when I first started, you know, teaching the youth ministry department where I was at, it's like, I feel like I ain't even been there, you know, six months. I've been there like two, three months. And he's like, man, I just feel like I'm losing my voice as a white male. But that speaks to the larger narrative, right? This return to American values. What is that? Well, that's ambiguous, but it tends to, to l- uplift white supremacy. So if I can get by and, you know, with a, a real soft and easy way of looking at reconciliation without ever having to dismantle my own white supremacy, oh, I'm all for that. Let's just reconcile, right? It's biblical. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's an episode I have on reconciliation. You just you go educate yourself on that and then check out the essay that Daniel Camacho wrote on that. And then lastly, they talk about a rise for hate in blacks and feelings of blacks already having too many privileges. So this is where we're at, y'all. Then, be, and I, then I'm audacious enough to define what white supremacy is. It is the subconscious promotion of white culture as the best or white is right. The denigration of minorities through subtle racism and passive discrimination it's good well-intentioned moral but ignorant white people it's the projection and shifting of social inequality and racism back onto people of color and minorities it's blame the victim it's your fault we sh- you know we should just shouldn't be talking about this so much i still get that i still get that uh that argument we should you know it's like, if you just stop talking about it oh lord so white supremacy is it's a culture. It makes itself into, in its way into institutions. It makes its way itself into the, the way we think to be on time, the way we avoid conflict in, in, in institutions, the way it's passive-aggressive. You know, we allow toxicity to come from our leadership. It's almost like the worst people fail upwards, And those become the executive directors and the CEOs of some of these organizations. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, CCDA has to reckon with the fact that many of these CCD organizations are run by white folks. And I have to ask, where do you stand on race if you're working with ethnic minorities? And that's part of what my research found in Homeland Insecurity is that it's not good and it's doing way more harm than it is good. So I talk about some of the societal shifts, and I won't get into pretty much you know all the details here. But I start with World War II. I mean, in the book I go all the way back to the Age of Discovery, um, but uh, you know, for sake of time and everything, I start with World War II. We love World War II. Every year there's a new film out that has something or is connected back to World War II. World War II was a time when the world was still in binary. This is good. That's evil. You know, Vietnam fucked everything up, right? Because it was like, we finally solved what war really was, and, it, and, and it's ugly. Who's the real enemy? Who's the real good person? Who's the real good guy, right? We didn't really know that. So we usher in the 60s with a major crash and a major shift away from that binary, Capitalism begins to take over in the late 70s. We know that. The post-industrial uh, complex starts to take over, right? Factories are moved out of the city, uh, moved overseas because it's just cheaper. You don't have to pay people insurance. They're not thinking that much. They just want a job. Perfect, cool, let's go overseas. You have the rise of the 80s, which is really the rise of of, uh, of uh, popular culture. Right, When you think about MTV, it comes online in 1981, you know? And it was really this time where the U.S. was really connected now to popular and mainstream culture. It set the tone. By the time you reach the mid-80s, one or nine in ten families in the United States have a TV uh, in their home, which is a stark difference from just 20 years prior in 1965, which was about, uh, if I got to remember, I think it's either three or four families in ten, you know, had a television in their home. Right. So there, so we have some shifts. We have some major societal shifts. Talk about the rise of hip hop culture, the rise of critical inquiry in 1991. That was really, you know, the time that the nuns was first kind of labeled. Um, and then, of course, 9-11, it changed everything that changed everything that really began to theologize. Right. Our safety. We begin to feel unsafe. Well, mainstream America began to feel unsafe. For most of us who were black and Latinx folks, we were like, man, we're just welcome to the party, right? I mean, that's, you know, you were constantly under constant surveillance and threat, you know, and especially now, which is kind of where I ended, was with the white nationalism and white fear. This is exactly where a lot of us are at right now. Radicalized white males. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you know, we can't, we can't overlook that. So we've got some things to contend with, y'all. And. So I talked about two things in, in the talk. I talked about a theology of fuck it, which really is a theology of fuck that. Um, and it really, and there's precedent for this. Jesus had a theology of fuck it and a theology of fuck that. It's understanding the premise of Christian ideology. It was really that. I mean, Jesus, think about Jesus is a Jew coming in, disrupting shit all over the place, Right. He's coming in, he's having all these debates and arguments, he's healing on the Sabbath, he's, he's, you know, he's working with these 12 knuckleheads, he's, you know, he's doing these things that's just saying, man, fuck you, dudes, this is what I'm about to do, and he actually says words that are very similar to that, we don't want to admit it, we don't want to see it, we got a very domesticated Jesus, the image of Jesus, you know, we got this tame Jesus, but Jesus was that, and so I base a lot of that on the life and story of Jesus Christ, both stuff that's in canon and both stuff that's out uh, out of canon as well. All right, and it, for me, it's about looking to Jesus as the ultimate example. I mean, Jesus even says before he leaves in the Gospel of Luke, like, "I have so many things to tell y'all, but y'all niggas ain't ready for it." <laughs> Straight up, man, y'all y'all ain't ready for this. So why am I gonna sit here? I gotta go. I gotta go. Y'all y'all can figure it out. And he left the gospel entrusted to a bunch of meatheads that ended up, you know, for the most part, getting it right. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So, and then at the end, I talk about a theology of violence. I've talked about it on this show before, um, but you know, what does it really look like to take up arms um, to defend yourself and in times of war, I really hope we don't get to that. I really hope we don't. And I'm not saying that we need to go out and beat people up and beat white folks. Up. I'm not saying that, yo, stop. Stop thinking that that is exactly what we're thinking about. But I'm simply saying we live in a violent world where it is excused daily. Just the, the idea of peacemaking comes with a gun. It, that is attached. Law enforcement comes with a gun. So, yes. Yes. We live in a violent society, so let's quit thinking that, you know, this is, you know, something. I mean, most of us who eat meat, we got to reckon with the fact that, you know, an animal was killed. Something was killed for you to eat. I know I can hear my vegan friends right now saying, "Mm, hmm, that's a whole other show. We'll go there. But my point being is the theology of violence is that where does God show up when all else has failed and you have no other options but to defend yourself? That's what I want to engage with. Where is God showing up? Now, I don't think we're necessarily there right now. At least I'm not there right now. But I know activists and people who are living out in Ferguson, East St. Louis, who have to deal with that on a daily basis. Most of the first responders and people who are engaging in the Mike Brown uprising are, have been found dead or brutally murdered in some, in some form or fashion. You don't think that's just that? Okay. So to look on and part of this is my struggle with, you know, uh, Christian theology. And I get, the, you know, the critique of, of Christian theology is like, man, it just it just washes, you know, everything away. And it's like, oh, you have to forgive and you have to forget. Wasn't nobody telling no white folks to forgive and forget, you know, uh, after 9-11. Wasn't nobody telling, you know, the Jewish brothers and sisters over in Pittsburgh, hey, you guys need to just forgive that dude, you know, just yeah, just, just get over it, man. Just have a service. Have a kumbaya moment. Reconcile with that. And as I've said on this show before, World War II, World War I, the Civil War, they weren't won by reconciling, okay? Two nuclear warheads were dropped, okay? And you talk to a lot of folks uh, from that generation who are still alive, and they will say that needed to happen. That needed to happen. So theology of violence, y'all, it's already there. And then we want to get into the differences between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. That, that's for a whole nother conversation. I get that. But I think we have to engage in that. And this is where I love Anthony Penn's work, Nitty Gritty Hermeneutic. Uh, this is where I think that, you know, uh, Will Gaffney and, and, and womanism comes into this. Not that they're involved with theology of violence, but it broadens the scope of the Bible and the Hebrew hermeneutic to look at it through the lens of somebody who's of color. And that's a powerful thing. We need that. Dr. Kelly Brown Douglas says that today the manifest destiny, stand your ground culture war is fueled by the presence of a black man living in the white house. There is no greater challenge to America's grand narrative of Anglo-Saxon exceptionalism than a black president. This represents a complete encroachment upon the space reserved for cherished white property. It is no surprise. Therefore, that stand your ground culture has asserted itself in an aggressive and unrelenting manner. I know I read that and think, but I wanted to read that again. Cause what she's saying, oh man, she is just breaking it down. So for me, it is about the tension between you and me together, which is what CCDA has you know built itself on, and this image that we have of fuck your peace. And I think that, you know, we got to really wrestle with that. It's too easy just to say, oh, let's just hug it out and let's just go reconcile with white people. I have reconciled as much as I'm going to be able to reconcile, y'all. I have. That, I, I can't go no more. And it can't be on ethnic minorities to change. Systems of power, systems of white supremacy have got to come and they got to. This is this is the scary part. It's got to it's, it's, it's going to have to be on white folks. And that's a scary thing for me as a black man, because I now have to rely on allies because I can't go and change policy. I can't go in there and change that. You saw what happened after eight years of a, of a black man, you know, the damn country went nuts. And that was like a moderate. I mean, Obama was almost like moderate, right. On certain things in certain regards. I mean, shit, he definitely throwing some bombs and dropping bombs and stuff on people, man. So I'm just like, I don't know. Why, why did black lives matter have to even exist under a black president? So how do we deal with the other side and everything that's in between the shades? See, as a church, we always want to kind of stand in you and me together, this peace and this, that's the hope. Yes. Let's try to get there. But where people are at is where I want to engage. And people are hurting. They've been hurt by Christianity. I know it's not a perfect thing, but that's no excuse. That's one of the things that pisses me off the most like, Oh, but it's not a perfect is I get that. But damn it, shouldn't we be living out some of the things that we say, right, that we should be living out as, as Christians? Should we not look at the person who is down and trodden and help them out? Should we not go over without judging them? <laughs> can, we, can we feed the homeless, right, without, you know, giving them a message first? Oh, my gosh, yo. So the people are tired. Those, particularly those under the age of 25, are saying, man, fuck your peace. You know, one of the critiques I get from one of my friends on Facebook who's who's black and, he's you know, and he's like, you know, he's into like uh way. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't actually don't know what he's into spiritually, but I know he's not a Christian, you know, and I'll post stuff and he'll come commenting on it and be like, dude, why are you still following, you know, a white man's religion? Now, I don't believe Christianity is a white man's religion. I believe that it's been culturally shaped that way. And what we see the manifests of 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 Christianity has come, you know, and it's it's. It's shown itself as a, a white religion, but I don't believe that Christianity is a white religion historically. So for me, there's value for me to stay rooted in my faith. There's value for me to stay rooted in Jesus and knowing that Jesus was a man of color and was lynched. This is James Cone, right? You got you to gotta, you gotta go check that stuff out, yo. You know, and so you heard kind of, you know, moving forward in the tension. I I already left you with that, but I just do believe truly that what I was saying here, um, it was spirit led. Um, I do encourage you to go hear uh, my friend and colleague, uh, Irene Cho, who was first. Otis Moss, follow me. And then, of course, Brenda Salter McNeil. And the point here of this kind of little, you know, tail part here is not to necessarily defend myself, but to kind of expand some more. In some areas that I don't, you know, think, well, one, we didn't just have the time to do it. And then three, I think it's important, you know, to have conversations around this. Here's the thing. We're not all going to agree. Right. And that's okay. We can still work for the common good. We can still work to towards ending aspects of poverty. And when I mean poverty, I don't necessarily always just mean money. Yes, that's a big thing, but also theological poverty, because there's a lot of that. I'm looking through some of the tweets now and I'm like, wow, you know, you know, some person's actually said, you know, oh, Dan, he showed his ass, man. You know, he, they thought it was a shtick that I was doing that some kind of uh, uh, thing to sell books. I'm like, nah, fool, <laughs> this is who I am. Um, but that just, that's just out of ignorance because it's again, It's just like, I don't agree with it. I don't see it. Plus there's a nigga out there telling me this stuff. Oh, oh no. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it, it, he's showing his ass. So I, yeah, I think, you know, and I'm pausing here simply because this is a time of change, a long time in coming and it's messy. It's messy. It's like you've waited till the 11th hour to fix the faucet that's just been running for a long time. But now, rather than just having to replace a gasket, now you got to go in and replace the entire housing because the water leaked behind the tub. Now you got dry rot. Now the pipe is rusted, right? You can't even screw a new uh, threading in. Now you got to replace all that. In fact, now once you start getting into it, you realize I may have to replace the flooring in this, the studs. Now there's mold because the water that that didn't drain away has been sitting for a long time and it's messy. Gosh, dog, you don't even want to look at it. And it's too easy just to be, you know, like, well, let's just not use that, you know, let's just not use that restroom. (laughs) You know, let's uh, let's just use the cold water and it's okay if it leaks a little bit. But, you know, that's what I hear when people are like, oh, but it takes so long for change to happen. At least they're doing something. I'm I'm sorry, I'm just, we're at a point now where I'm just, I'm beyond, at least they're doing something. And if you know me, you've been listening to the show, you know, I'm beyond just trying to coddle white folks. I imagine if you're listening to this, you're either probably trying to gain ammunition, you know, to send to my boss and stuff. um, Or you're genuinely trying to feel this out and trying to, you know, trying to think through like, man, what does this all mean? Well, I welcome you. I welcome you to that conversation. For those of you who genuinely want to be there and stay in the tension and stay in the mystery and the ambiguity of who God is, I welcome you. You know, those who just are gawkers, you know, they'll, they'll find somebody else to gawk at, you know, soon enough. So hopefully this has helped clear, not clear, that's wrong wording. Hopefully this has giving you some more context of where I was coming and uh, what I was trying to break down. So, keep watching, keep learning, and at one point I thought I was going to do a doubleheader, and I'm not. I, I didn't want to take away from Pam Rocker. She's an amazing uh, voice, and she will be on next week, and... um. Yeah, I got to give her her time and her props because she's great. She's amazing. She's amazing. Um, So thank you for listening so much. Um, You know, subscribe, like. I'm on iTunes, uh, whitehodgepodcast.com. You'll find a boatload of show notes. And we will continue this conversation. All right, y'all. Much love, one love, peace, love, and happiness in God. Peace.